Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Athletic. Let's talk about six, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be. Let's talk about six. Henderson. Tiny ball by Alexander-Arnold. An even better one by Salah. What a goal! Sadio Mane! That is sensational by Liverpool! So what an absolutely pulsating match between two superb sides. A point still separates Liverpool and Manchester City. It was billed as the title decider... But let's face it, there's still plenty of football to go. If you're not already a subscriber to The Athletic, you can read all of the articles on Liverpool, everything else on the site. Head to theathletic.com forward slash Liverpool pod. Special price right now, £1 a month for six months. That's theathletic.com forward slash Liverpool pod. I'm Steve Hothersall. This is The Red Agenda with Simon Hughes and James Pearce. And... Uh, James Jürgen, I'm sure at the end of this, would have been delighted with a point. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. And that's why, I th- you know, I think it was, in the circumstances, a very good result for Liverpool. I know it was built up beforehand as as a season-defining afternoon, but I think I think the only result for me that would have decided the title race at the Etihad on Sunday was, was a Manchester City victory. And for most of that opening 45 minutes, that looked like being the most likely outcome. You know, four points, that would have been too much, I think, for Liverpool to to hope to overcome over the last seven games. But um, yeah, I think, you know, of course you'd want the ideal scenario was for Liverpool to have their destiny in their own hands and to go there and produce a massively, you know, crucial statement win. But um, I, I thought there was a lot to admire when, yeah, I think any criticism of Liverpool's performance, especially in the first half, just has to be tempered by how good City are and, you know, they caused Liverpool so many problems. But, you know, that resilience, that mentality we've seen time and time again that Klopp has instilled in this squad came to the fore, to, you know, to fight back twice like that and take a point. So, um, I think it was contrasting moods afterwards. I think certainly the City fans around me at the Etihad, you could tell that they felt as if they'd let Liverpool off the hook a little bit, really, with the chances they'd missed to kill them off and as Klopp said afterwards we're still chasing we're still fighting you know, this isn't over Si what, what was your mood at full time I mean brilliant football again we've been spoilt haven't we in two fixtures this season lived up to the billing but what, what was the personal mood about where Liverpool are at at the end of that game a bit conflicted really it depends whether you're asking me as a observer of football or as a fan I mean from a Fan point of view, I don't go and watch Liverpool to be entertained. I want to see them win. You know, I can understand why a lot of people, sort of neutrals, if they do exist, I'm not sure they actually do, would be entertained by what they saw yesterday. But as a supporter, I was disappointed because I thought the second half, particularly after Liverpool got an early goal, very early goal, I thought there's a big opportunity there to go and win the game. As James says, City were fantastic the first half. You know, again, if I go back to sort of from a from a work point of view, if you, if you actually look at the flow of the game, I think it was probably 
just about a fair result. I think when a team goes to the Etihad and pulls City back twice, you know, they probably deserve something from the game, really, because they're, they're a brilliant team. I mean, if, if Liverpool were to beat them this season and to, and to win the league, it'd be an, an amazing, you know, a bigger achievement than when they won the league, I would say, because let's face it, they ran away with it, Liverpool, that season. But this City team is is really, really, really fantastic team. It, it reminds me a lot of the game at Anfield in, in some ways. I mean, it, I know people are focused on sort of the, the wild, chaotic nature of it, where not a lot seemed to make sense. It seemed to me that a lot of the game was played in very small sections of the pitch. Um, that, that was, a, you know, partly deliberate, I think, by the two managers targeting certain areas of the opposition. But, yeah, it, it did remind me of the game at Anfield, where sometimes, certainly Liverpool struggled to keep the ball at, at, at times, but... They've still got that outlet, you know. There's still that, you know. I thought Liverpool's first goal was an absolutely fabulous goal uh, to score, and you know the second goal was you you would say sort of classic Liverpool under Klopp. So I did think a draw was a fair result. I think, despite what I've said, I think City will probably be more disappointed than Liverpool based on the first half performance, based on the fact they were at home, based on the fact that they, if they win that game, they probably have won the league. So there'll be as I'd imagine in the City camp there'll be a sense of. You know, we, we we dropped two points there where it feels because of the way the game flowed, because it was at City, Liverpool definitely couldn't afford to lose that game. So it keeps them there, it keeps them there, but you know, I think City it's gonna be very hard to see City dropping points from here, just the way they are. They're very good in these situations when there's a run in and they've been in this position before with, with Liverpool. I'd be surprised if they drop points, but the only two games looking at the fixture list for me where where they might would be West Ham away if they need something to get in the Champions League, maybe. And maybe Wolves, you never know with Wolves. They're a funny team, but dif- difficult place to go, Molyneux. Uh, it depends what they're fighting for as well. So they're the two games you, you would hope that City might trip up a little bit. Fingers crossed. It, it was a mad first half because you, you both mentioned it. Liverpool weren't at their best. In fact, they almost looked nervous, James. It, it was maybe something we haven't seen from this Liverpool side for a long time. Yeah, I, I don't know whether it was nerves or that. I think they. To me, it almost looked like they were just a bit rattled by the intensity they were hit with by City. I think because um, Liverpool have been in this amazing run they've been on, and you know sometimes you have to take a step back and think oh, we're talking about a team that hadn't dropped a point in the Premier League since January the second, hadn't conceded more than one goal in in a game for I think twenty one matches. Yet that was as vulnerable as Liverpool have looked defensively, you know, pretty much all all season. And I think it was just the intensity and the relentless nature of the City press because Liverpool, it's been a long time since any team has tried to put them under that amount of pressure and Liverpool just kept on coughing up the ball in, in dangerous areas, didn't they? And I think just at times there was a little bit of composure lacking. I think I think the frustration for me and you know City got in behind Liverpool so often in that first half. It was, you know, both the goals come from scenarios that were avoidable with, you know, for me, the first one, there's not enough awareness, not enough nous to stop City taking a quick free kick. And then, you know, suddenly Fabino, who, you know, has been outstanding this season, but he had a real off day, I felt, beaten by De Bruyne. Big deflection, yes, but suddenly Liverpool are behind. And then, you know, the second goal stems from a, a corner that was needlessly given away by Joel Matip when, you know, the communication back there wasn't good enough. And then, of course, Trent didn't seem fully aware that he had uh, Gabriel Jesus uh, lurking behind him. So, yeah, I don't think it was so much nerves, just more how good City were in that opening 45 minutes because, you know, Liverpool's high line has been talked about a lot this season, hasn't it? But it's 
you know, for the most part, it served them incredibly well. We know why they do it because it enables them to to force the game into a smaller area of the pitch and put teams under pressure. But you know, the the pressure on the ball has to be has to be good at the top end of the field, and that that wasn't the case. And also, the timing of the runs has to be perfect to catch Liverpool out, and it was. You know, Guardiola joked in his press conference afterwards. You know, I I tried to imitate the best today, almost saying that he he tried to be more like Liverpool against Liverpool because it was we're so used to City almost killing teams, aren't we, with possession with so many little short sharp passes but they were they were a lot more direct than they usually are and I, I, I just think I actually think that caught Liverpool out certainly in the opening 45 minutes and it was no surprise that you know given given 10-15 minutes to sort things out at half time show the players some video clips on the big screen it was it was a different Liverpool in the second half you know more compact more precise and, and more composed yeah, good performance in the second half. Um, what about the goal scorers then? So you mentioned it, side Jota with with that equaliser. There, there he is again. We've spoken about him on the pod so many times. Sometimes he's not having the greatest all round game. Always contributes for something. Yeah, no, it was a, it was a great goal. Really well away goal. I mean, it, when the ball usually falls to Andy Robertson, I'm thinking don't shoot because he very rarely does he score a goal, and his, some of his shooting can be a bit wayward at times. On this occasion, I was thinking. Have a go here, you know the, the the sort of the angles right for you. But he obviously chose to cross. Great cross, obviously goal involved in Trent. I mean Trent's uh, vision came into play, and I mean I suppose Josh had a little bit of luck, but he gets a lot of that, doesn't he? You know, sort of feels like as long as he gets it on target, dead centre the goal. There's there's a chance it might go in, and I know the goalkeeper got a touch to it, but I mean he's just a really important player. I mean I, I think no matter how he's playing, there's always a chance he might score. Um, I think that's. A really important quality to have. I mean, they're not they're not the same players, totally different players. But it just reminds me a bit of Luis Garcia when he would be having an absolute stinker, and then he'd score, and then you'd be like, "Well, all is forgiven." I'm not saying that Jota's like that because he, sometimes he's just quite quiet and you don't see him so much. Um, but I mean, that says I mean, I, I sort of felt at times he missed he missed sort of the best of Firmino a little bit yesterday at certain points in the game. You know, when when he's really on it, able to hold the ball up and bring others into play. Just sort of feeds into what James was saying there. It felt like sort of the press wasn't quite on it at the top end of the pitch yesterday, and that, that's where Firmino is so important. You know, in terms of his work ethic, his 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 trickery and his his hold of play, and it, he didn't quite have that at times yesterday. Liverpool, I think it's going to be an interesting end to the season for him because how much does he play? Do you play Jota, who's reliable and going to score goals, or do you do you play Firmino, who at this stage of the season? It's actually probably going to potentially going to be quite fresh because he hasn't played quite as much. I would imagine the manager's going to use him quite cleverly over the next couple of weeks because he could prove to be a really important player for me. You know, you know when he's fresh and he's he's prepared for a match, he's still very difficult to stop. So it'd be interesting how he rotate it. I mean, I, I thought Diaz was a bit unlucky not to play as well yesterday. I can understand why he didn't start. When I say play, sorry, not to start the game. I think they missed a bit of that as well. You know that that pace and that. That raw pace, but also knowing how to how to use it. I think they missed that in the first half. But yeah, I mean, back to Jota. I mean, I, th- I think he's obviously a key play for Liverpool now. And in any given game against any opponent, you're back to find the net. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. James, another hugely important person, Sadio Mane. So it's his 30th birthday. He scores that vital second goal at the start of the um, the second half. He's, he's someone who's in the same boat as Mo, isn't he? The contract situation runs out at the same time, but yet there doesn't seem to be the headlines in the same way there is about Mo. But there he is, you know, just emphasising once again just what an impact he can make in the side. Yeah, it was a it was a brilliantly worked goal, wasn't it? And a and a fantastic finish. And um, I thought Salah and Mane were absolutely integral to the improvement we saw in Liverpool's second half. It wasn't it wasn't just that moment. I thought they were you know so much more influential in that second half compared to the first half when they were when they were passengers at times. I thought you know they occupied City's players. They they forced a lot more mistakes with their you know their work off the ball seemed a lot more intelligent to me second half. And yeah, you you felt if Liverpool were going to nick a winner, it was probably going to come from from one of those two. I think um, you know Salah is obviously on a bit of a barren run at the moment. I think it's only was it one goal in eight, and that was a penalty, no goal in open play since February. But I thought I thought there was a lot to admire about Salah's second half performance yesterday. You know, he, you know as well as the you know the weight of the pass for the for the Mane equaliser was exquisite, and then you know he created that opportunity for Jota. He had the other one where. You, know, you had that bizarre situation in the game where it is curling shot, takes that big deflection, goes wide, and you've got VAR checking for a penalty for handball, whilst Anthony Taylor's given a goal kick, uh, which I think everyone was. You know, I think even Taylor must have, when he had the word in his ear, they were checking for handball. It was he'd realised he he dropped a clanger there, but uh, but yeah, I think another reminder that Mane has been when the kind of the, the the Klopp years come to an end and you look back on the whole story, you know, Sadio Mane will be be a huge, huge part of it, won't it, with the contribution he's made. And I think sometimes it does go under the radar a bit, just how incredible he has been for Liverpool because, you know, his numbers aren't you know, aren't as startling as, as Salah. But um you know, it was it was Sadio Mane that started it all off really. He was the the first major signing of the Klopp era. He was he was the main reason Liverpool got back in the the Champions League after that absence, and um, he still got a hell of a lot to offer. So, yeah, you're right, Steve. There has been a lot more focus on Salah's future, and I think obviously what happens with Salah has a knock-on effect in terms of Mane. But I really hope Mane does stick around because um, I just absolutely love watching him, and I think I think he's still got a huge amount to offer. Absolutely. Side, do you think he's been just as important as Salah during the Klopp reign? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think they've all been, the front three have been crucial to everything Liverpool have done, really. It all stems from that, you know, the the, the ability to go and go and press the opponents. I mean, I, I watched the Man United game against Everton at the weekend, and obviously Klopp takes a lot of his beliefs from Ralph Ranić. I think that's quite well documented, and it's quite, quite obvious watching Cristiano Ronaldo that he won't do what Ranić probably wants him to do. And Ranić is left with him. There's, there's, you can't just like put him on the sidelines because it's Cristiano Ronaldo. And you then see the impact that that has when a player in a, in a forward position 
won't go and press or can't go and press. They used to be that the pool of had have been doing it, you know, for four or five seasons now. I mean, I'd say obviously you've got you've got Firmino, who's who, who's the main fella who, who does the, the, the sort of the bulk of the pressing in the central areas. Then Mane, Salah's not so much of a presser, but but because of his pace, he, he puts the opponents on the on the back foot. So um, for me, I mean, Mane's been an absolutely brilliant player, and I've I've, I've enjoyed. Over the last couple of months as well, watching him play as a centre forward at times, I think he's been excellent in that position because he's so robust and physical and difficult to shake off the ball. I mean, he'll go down as an as an absolute legend of the club. I, I think you look at his goal scoring records, the time he arrived, what he's won. You know, he's, what I think he he did give Liverpool was that I don't know. It, it sounds weird describing as as a nasty sort of player because he doesn't really get sent off and doesn't get booked so much, but he is aggressive. You know, he's got that edge to him, which I think, you know, all you want to see in all Liverpool players, you see him off the pitch and he's such a sort of relaxed, smiley sort of figure. But on the pitch, he, he's he's quite, you know, he's he's got that little bit of needle. He's got that, he never seems happy, which I, I like, you know, I like in a player. For me, he will be remembered in years to come as a legendary Liverpool player. I, I still think, as James said there, I think he's still got a few years left to go because I didn't really see his... His performance is coming in a centre forward position as he has in the last couple of months on some occasions, being as effective as they have been. If they can get the right contract in front of him, which he accepts and doesn't sort of bankrupt the club, then you know you'd want to keep hold of him. Let's hope they're both sorted um, soon. But what was great about this game, James, was both managers went out with attacking substitutions, thinking they could win it, whether it was Mares or, or Grealish. You know, you had attackers being thrown on Diaz, Firmino. We expected that, I suppose, but to see it played out was it was a statement of both managers sort of wanting the points here. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was absolutely relentless, wasn't it? And I think, um, I think so often ahead of big sporting occasions, you know, there's so much build up, so much hype, and then it's like, you know, how can it possibly live up to this? But I think. The, the biggest tribute you could pay that game as a spectacle was that it did, and you know the and the two managers, you know, like they, you know, they they proved again why they are in a league of their own, Guardiola and Klopp, and it was, you know, it was despite the what was at stake, you know, you could tell there was a huge amount of mutual respect, you know, before the game, during the game, and and after it as well, because um, I think they both really admire the way that the other one approaches things, and it was. It was interesting listening to, I think Guardiola recently described Liverpool as a pain in the ass. And after the game on Sunday, he said, you know, they're so annoying. They just won't go quietly. The fact that they'd, they'd come back at him so so fiercely on, on two occasions in that game. And I think, you know, even, even I was watching Klopp, you know, last 20 minutes. And you're right, you know, the as well as the substitutions on both teams that were bold, that were, you know, neither, neither manager had one, like, yeah, I don't think there was 1% thought of trying to hold on to what they had. Um, I mean, Klopp was doing that kind of helicopter motion he does above his head every time kind of Alisson got it to try and, you know, act at pace. Let's, let's turn defence into attack. Let's try and catch City out before they've had the chance to reset and regroup and get organised. And, and that was it, wasn't it? It was, you know, again, another analogy that Klopp came out with was, you know, two heavyweight boxers slugging it out and you know if you didn't have your hands in the right place then you got a real a real smack to the face and um that's why I think in, in the end when you look at some of the openings City had I mean that even that one at the absolute death with Mares, I mean I, I I still can't believe he's got that finish quite so wrong because 
when you look at it back, Allison's come out to, to narrow the angle and is actually stranded. So for someone of Mares's ability, you know, it wasn't even a difficult finish to just lift it over Allison and in. And you know, the mood would be so so different today, wouldn't it? You know, it was. There were other times when you know late on as well. Yeah, I think you know. It, the amount of energy that both teams expended as well was they, they looked absolutely shattered come the end there was there was one time when I couldn't believe Grealish didn't spot that De Bruyne would have been clean through would have been quite a simple pass so that's why I just think on balance you look at it and go yeah do you know what for the problems that Liverpool ran into how good City were on the day that is a decent point for Liverpool and the, the true value of it won't be known until May the 22nd because you know, let's let's wait and see. You know, maybe may, maybe we will be looking back and thinking, you know, if only Liverpool hadn't started the game so slowly at the Etihad. But I think that wasn't the way I looked at it coming away from the stadium last night. I I just thought, do you know what? With the issues that Liverpool had, with how good the opponent was in their own backyard, there was actually a lot to admire about that Liverpool performance. Yeah, check out James's piece uh, today. It's on the Athletic. Defiant Liverpool are still standing in this heavyweight title. Race, uh, loads of bits of sublime football out there. What, what about the moment with Edison with the ball on the line, Si? Well, I mean, it, it just reminds as well, actually, of something James. Obviously, James mentioned Allison there at the other end. Actually, I mean, I, I think he made two top quality saves in the first half, which had a key sandwich kept Liverpool in the game. You know, and it just reminds us again. It, it sort of saves that. I mean, we haven't even spoken about it yet and people aren't talking about it, but the big saves, you know, and, um, you know, the, the two of them, Edison and Alisson, are, the, you know, the best keepers in the world, in my view, at the moment, for, for different reasons, you know, it would have been un- uncharacteristic of Edison if, if that had gone in, I know, like, he, he takes one or two risks, but 99% of the time he, he gets it right with his, his passing, I just think he's a brilliant goalkeeper. I think Allison's an absolutely top quality goalkeeper for different reasons as well. Uh, the, the, there's crossover with the, the abilities, but they're both brilliant. At the, at the very, very peak of the game, I think it's it's just a bit mad. You know, when I grew up, Brazil didn't really have any any goalkeepers, and the, the two and the the best in the world now, in my view, are those two. But yeah, I, I think um, had Liverpool got that goal at that time, they'd have been pretty lucky given given the way the, the traffic of the game in that first half. They've got it to do all again, haven't they? Um, in the FA Cup semi, James at Wembley. I would imagine it, it it will again be a game of massively high quality, but it might be a bit different than that fixture. Yeah, I, I think it will be intriguing how the two managers approach it, ta- you know, tactical wise. You know, if you're Guardiola, I think he sprung a bit of a surprise. I think caught Liverpool unawares by by going more direct and with the, the number of balls they put put in behind to try and exploit that space so it was will he stick with that will he will he go back to a more you know conventional city style i think would be really interesting i think certainly if he does stick with it i think i'd like to think there'll be lessons learned from liverpool in terms of being ready to handle it and knowing how you deal with that which is to ensure the pressure on the ball is is better collectively at the top end of the pitch to stop City with their quality being able to just you know ping those balls in behind, uh, it's it's just crazy, isn't it, to to think that you're having sat through a game of just such ridiculously high quality and pace and intensity that we get to do it all again at Wembley in front of ninety thousand next next Saturday, and obviously before that there's the small matter of both clubs staying on course for what could well be you know round three. 
between them in Paris at the end of May if they both <laughs> take care of business in the, the Champions League. Because I think on current form, I think it would be a massive surprise if it's not a City-Liverpool Champions League final. Because they're the best... I, I, I don't see... You know, Bayern are probably the the team most likely to to throw a spanner in the works. But um, I think they are the two best teams in Europe. So it's, you know, obviously now it's out of Liverpool's hands, Premier League-wise. They just need to keep on winning, get to, what is it, 94 points and hope that's enough. But um, I, I think there'll be a lot, there's a lot there, I think, for Liverpool's video analysts and the coaching staff to to mull over this week to ensure that they're, they're not caused as many problems, I think, at Wembley next weekend and then potentially again in a in a Champions League final because um, I think the other big positive was how many problems Liverpool showed they can cause City themselves when when they are better collectively off the ball and then you know they then ensure there's less space and less time for City to exploit I thought we saw enough at the Etihad on Sunday that we know that Liverpool can can hurt City and I think that bodes well it's not I don't think I don't think anyone would have come away from the Etihad thinking Oh God! How are we possibly going to beat these at Wembley next Saturday? I didn't certainly didn't think that at all. I, th- I think Liverpool will be better, and I'm not sure City can be better. I thought there were times on Sunday when that was City at their absolute brilliant best. You know, I mentioned Fabino before, and I think you know there's there's no chance that Fabino performs like that again at, at Wembley. You know, we we know how integral he is. I thought you know Thiago was the only real Liverpool midfielder to to give them any semblance of control in that first half. I thought Henderson was better second half. So yeah, lo- loads of stuff to, to for the for the Liverpool staff to to mull over this week and yeah, it's just going to be an absolutely intriguing round round 2 at Wembley. It's driven largely by the managers and obviously Jurgen is the man we love. Sai, you've written a big piece about how perhaps one day Jurgen Klopp might leave Liverpool, but when he's gone, what will be the reflections on his period there? But what was your ideas behind writing this? And what was your conclusion on it? I mean, it prompted by readers' comments in the <laughs> in the uh, the comment section in uh, the athletics pages. Basically, I mean, whenever you write anything about either Klopp or FSG, the same thing comes up. You know, people say, "Well, when Klopp goes, that's Liverpool done." Basically, you know that the it's all down to him. And I, I just thought, well, it's worth trying to to sort of investigate that idea a little bit. I mean, you, you can't be definitive about it. I mean, I, I do think that a lot does come down to the manager. And when I say the manager, I mean Klopp. Or I don't I don't mean Klopp necessarily. I mean the manager of any club. I think it's any reasonably well-run club. You know, it's still up to the manager to get the results and create the environment uh, that allows the players to perform. But, you know, I, I think it was quite clear to me, you know, that there are certain things Liverpool's in a much better place as a club as a result of some of the things the manager's done off the field along with dovetailing with what the owners have, have pushed through his reign to allow if Liverpool pick the right manager to succeed him then I think the club will be in a good place I think Liverpool requires a certain manager within the economic sort of system that FSG use but I think that, you know, if you, if you look at the training grounds, if you look at the, the staff, I mean, it, that was one thing that interested me, actually, because I think on the outside, there's this sort of this view that, you know, that all the staff are Jürgen Klopp staff when it's not strictly true, really. I mean, the, the, there's there's an inner circle at Liverpool of, of Jürgen Klopp's people, 
you know, there's five or six people who may or may not move on when he goes, but a lot of the staff who have contributed towards, you know, the, the Liverpool success over the last few years, whether that be in analytics or the great medical department that they've got, they're more club staff, if you like, who have been employed by the club or, or the sporting director, Michael Edwards. Now, I know he's moving on and Julian Ward might have his own ideas in the future, but there's a really good, solid base to work from for any for any manager. And then I looked at sort of the academy as well. So obviously Liverpool have got a few players through the academy under Jurgen Klopp. I mean, Trent, Alexander-Arnold, Curtis Jones, you know, both players who've been there since the age of five or six. I wanted to look at like quite how Jürgen's reach stretches into the academy. And really, I mean, the academy sort of still runs sort of separately from the first team. When I say separately, that doesn't mean there isn't a connection. It just means that it's run sort of independently. The the idea is at the academy to, to give the best players in each age group the chance to get into the first team. So it was put to me, if you've got two excellent centre forwards at a certain age group, there's no point playing 4-3-3. You know, you've got to find a system that, that, that allows those players to flourish and, and, and kick on. So the idea is the same, you know, the, the sort of the, the culture, the, the, the message that Klopp sends down, you know, about working hard, being non-negotiable, about, you know, pressing, that is there in the team. But in terms of the tactical sort of setups of the team and the way the academy functions, it's still reliant upon the people who've been there for quite a long time, really, and know exactly what they're doing. So, you know... That's not to say that everything's going to be hunky-dory when Jurgen Klopp leaves. I think any club would find it hard replacing a manager if his skill sets and, and what he's achieved at the club. But I do think that if you find the right manager, somebody who's able to to develop players, I think Klopp hasn't got enough praise really for his development of players. I think in the last few years, obviously Liverpool have spent reasonably quite big in the transfer market, bigger than maybe the first few years. But all the players that we speak about week on week, they've all improved under Jurgen Klopp. Like Liverpool haven't really got a a major transfer wrong, have they, under Jurgen Klopp, or even the, the, the smaller transfers, really. So that, that obviously connection between what the, the analytics and what the recruitment staff are doing, dovetailing with the demands that Jurgen Klopp asks for, has contributed towards players being able to flourish at Liverpool, as long as he can get that relationship working with another manager. You know, I, I do think that the culture success can can continue at Liverpool. It's going to be hard. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. And it might be, you know, there might be a, a, a period where things are are more difficult. But the bottom line is I just think any any club that loses a manager of his quality is, is going to find it hard. There's not like I think Manchester City will find the same thing even when Guardiola leaves. That they're the two best managers in world football. It's up to other managers to to sort of to to try and catch up to them and and, and hopefully prove themselves worthy of managing a club the size of Liverpool. Uh, I don't think that you know that everything will just go to pot very quickly. It's it's not the same club as it was ten years ago when obviously Liverpool lost Rafa Benitez. You know that behind the scenes there was chaos. You know both from a football perspective, a financial perspective, there was a civil war going on. It's not the same thing anymore. That the club is set up essentially to become you know, to become successful. It's just. Just depends on getting the appointments right, basically, which which has always been a big thing with FSG. You know, they get the appointments right. They've always appointed people to do the jobs that they can't. And if, if they can get the appointments right, whether it's in the management field or or off the field, you know, in the business, in the business offices, then you know that that's going to help Liverpool be become successful on the pitch. 
Uh, size piece uh, on life without Klopp is on The Athletic right now. Let, let's just finish off, James, with a thought on Fabio Carvalho. It was a deal that Liverpool couldn't get over the line in January, but it looks like personal terms agreed now. And will he just immediately join and join the first team? He's not a player that's going to join and be loaned out somewhere, is he? No, no, no. I think the that the plan is certainly for him to do to do pre-season with, with Klopp's squad. We know that they're off to the Far East they've got a game against Manchester United in Bangkok and expecting another game to, to take, take place in Singapore um, and there'll be a Europe based training camp as well for the players so he'll he'll be part of that and I think then it'll be be down to him to show where he's at and then for Klopp to make a decision on on what kind of role he can play for the, the, the following season so I think he's a I think it's a, it's Simon mentioned then about you know the the structure and the, the scouting network and recruitment being so good and I think this is another exciting signing that will excite fans. You know he's a whenever I've seen him play for Fulham he's always stood out. His numbers this season are incredibly impressive. You know when the deal fell through on deadline day back at the end of January, you know there was no real hint of panic or disappointment from Liverpool really because he was if everything had been done then he would have been loaned back anyway to Fulham for the rest of the season so there was always a confidence it would get done now you know they've managed to avoid it going to a tribunal by agreeing a financial compensation package with Fulham contract agreed with the player as well um, so uh, yeah I think it's always nice to to get some early business done and you know, I, I think I think he, he's just you know another exciting option to, to throw into the mix Brilliant stuff. Uh, Fabio Carvalho from Fulham, sure to be heading to Liverpool this summer. Thank you very much indeed to Simon Hughes and James Pearce, both with uh, some brilliant pieces on the Athletic site right now, which you should read. Thank you for listening to the Red Agenda. So nothing decided by the 2-2 draw. The league race is still open. There's an FA Cup semi-final ahead. There's a Champions League game with Benfica, which we haven't spoken about, but we will do after it on the next pod. We'll see you then on the Red Agenda. (laughs) 